Hello everybody. Hello and welcome. Welcome to Essex Church where this community of Kensington Unitarians meets for worship each and every Sunday of the year. This is public worship. By law, our church door must remain open, which it didn't manage to do last week. It must be unlocked because enshrined in law is the right of each and every person to join us here. How important then is the welcome that we extend to all those who come to join us. Visitors, guests, friends, newcomers, all are welcomed as part of this community. After our service today, we'll be holding our congregation's AGM, a yearly annual general meeting. And in our service today, we'll be celebrating our members, our friends, our guests who helped create our congregation and will be reaffirming our commitment to one another and to this thing called Kensington Unitarians. Mel Hargrader-Pine describes some of the reasons that we might have come to church today in this piece entitled We Thank Them All or I Thank You All and I wonder if any of these reasons brought you here today. Some came here looking for solace. Some came here and gave it to them. Some came here seeking music. And some came here and gave it joyfully. Some came here seeking laughter. Some came here and created it. Some came here seeking learning, growth. And some came here and provided it. Some came here looking for a sense of security, a safe haven, and some came here and provided that. Some came here seeking an escape from hectic lives. Some came here and enabled them to have it. Some came here seeking the joy of community, and some came here and created that. Some came here wanting to serve, and some came here and made it possible for them. I thank you all. And uh, as I light our chalice flame, symbol for Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists the world over, let's remember that the flame needs the wick and the wax and the spark of the lighter to ignite it and to keep it alight. So too, I think, do we need one another to keep our lights shining. Once there was a great chef who was famous throughout the land. And if I watched more television cooking programmes, I'd be able to name one at this time. But all I can think of is Gordon Ramsay and I don't like him very much. So wipe him from your mind. Because I think... This famous chef happened to be a woman, and so good a cook was she that she taught other people how to cook, and their food was almost as tasty as hers. And just for fun, she'd throw dinner parties once a month, and everyone wanted to be invited to these dinner parties. And for these dinners, she would instruct those student chefs to cook new and ever more extravagant dishes. The dinner guests, in awe of the chef's great skill, 
would spend the dinner savouring each bite and all you would hear at those meals would be quiet little mmm and ah. And because she wanted to sort of use new ingredients and feature new goodies to eat at all her parties, she would travel far and wide over all the land to experience new food. And everywhere she went, the town would honour her. The best cooks would create dishes unique to their region and she would taste them and she'd ask for the recipes and as you can imagine she ate a great deal of food and she knew an awful lot about how to prepare fa fabulous dinners. But then one evening while travelling home she stopped at a small house in the country asking for the directions to the hotel that she was meant to be staying in and you know that family they insisted that she spent the night with them and happily she was in time for dinner. The mother took a casserole out of the oven. The brother tossed a salad with different vegetables and sister sliced the bread. Let me help, said the great chef. And so she got to set the table for dinner. And then when everybody was seated, the family held hands. The chef felt the young sister's hand slip into hers and she in turn reached out for the brother's hand. And the mother said, to have food upon the table. And the children replied, is a blessing. And the mother said, the sunset and the possibility of the sunrise tomorrow. And came the reply, is a blessing. And the love of friends and family and the grace of the spirit is a blessing. And then they all joined in that delicious meal and told stories of their day and the chef couldn't believe how gorgeous that food was she just didn't want to have that dinner end but of course eventually the children had to go to bed and the chef later that evening asked for the recipe and the next morning hot-footed it back to her cooking school and got her students cooking that same meal but when they sat down to eat that surprise surprise it was a little dull there was nothing particular to it. So she got on the phone, she rang that mother and she said, can you tell me what's missing? It isn't like the meal I had at your house. Ah, said the mother, what's missing will never fit into a recipe. Did you and your guests make the meal together? Did you hold each other's hands while giving thanks? And did you share your stories during the meal? No. The chef replied, none of that had happened. And then the great chef realised that sharing a meal together, what we might call breaking bread together, was about more than just eating good food. It's about working together, sharing lives, sharing laughs. It was about being thankful for food, not just because it's fancy or the best, but because being together, that is the most nourishing thing in the world. That is truly creating a welcome table. And after that, the great chef decided to give just small, intimate dinner parties. And she and her guests would work together to create the food. And they'd all sit and give thanks and eat <coughs> and share their stories together. And that's what I hope we do here. And we're going to spend some time in a spirit of prayer and thoughtfulness.
as we turn our attention inwards and connect with the God of our hearts and our understanding. So we sit quietly and focus our thoughts and what we focus upon is different for each of us for we are unique beings each of us has our own unique sense <coughs> of what is important and of that which we hold to be of ultimate worth yet we share a common humanity and this common humanity brings us both concerns and anxieties, hopes and fears, but also our gratitude and our joy. We care for others, both those close to us and those whose lives we hear of only in the news. We delight in the natural world with its rich gifts for our senses. The sounds, the sights, the smells, the tastes, the very touch of it all. And we have an idea that we can be greater than we often are. That there is perhaps something of the divine in each and every one of us. We sense mysteries beyond our comprehension as we look at the stars or gaze upon a flower. As we heard that story of people eating together, together creating a welcome table, let's give thanks for all the wondrous variety of food we eat and for our planet Earth home that grows such plenty for us to enjoy. Let's be aware of the inequalities of life. Leave some of us with so much and others with so little. As we enter a time of brief shared silence together now, may we be open to the possibility of divinity within and beyond us. And let us commit ourselves to creating a world in which all have the nourishment and refreshment they need. the peace and the stillness of this time and this place stay with us and strengthen us for the task of living our lives now and always. Amen. One of the great things about being in central London is that we do get lots of visitors here in this congregation and the reading we're going to hear Janine uh, read in a moment is by Amy Zucker Morgenstern, who comes from uh, one of the Californian uh, congregations in the States. She's a minister there. And she's writing about the web that connects us to one another. And she's imagining each of the connections, there's a jewel. But she's actually also playing with the idea that we're there in the spaces as well. 
and that that in some way represents the great diversity of humanity here today. So thanks for offering to read it. The Hindu god Indra is said to have created reality as a great net with jewels at each intersection of the threads. Every jewel is reflected in every other and they are all connected by their infinite, intricate web. The jewels are sacred and so is the net that connects them. And so I pray. Dear God, you are in the between spaces of our lives where one hand reaches to touch another, you are there. Where eyes meet across the crowd and confusion and find understanding, you are there. Where the spark leaps from one mind to ignite another, that is you. Wherever we connect, you are the connection. Each of us is a jewel in Indra's net, shining like dew in a spider's web. Praise to you, the web that connects us one to another. When we are in the in-between, on our way from the intolerable to the unknown, when we defy the categories that small minds invent and dare to imagine something beyond. When we seek others who are on a journey, on a threshold, on the margins, in any of the shimmering intersections of our lives. When we listen to the possibilities whispered within and step into mystery with trust, with fear, with trembling. May we find peace, for we dwell in your sacred place. Do you know the story of the Tree of Sorrows? It's... Um, <coughs> I'll praise it, but it's told that in an, an Eastern European village many, many moons ago, there was a much-loved rabbi who um, did a great deal of listening to other people's troubles, and he became ever more aware of people claiming that their lot was by far the hardest. They had the, the most awful partner or the most dreadful field to plough or the most difficult cow, etc, etc, wondering why they had to suffer so much more than the other. And so it was that one day the rabbi came up with a great plan. He said, there's going to be a special day of celebration. I want you to bring all your sorrows and troubles in a bag and tie them to the tree in the center of our village with your name on it, and then I want everybody to look round at everybody else's bags and choose one to take home with them. <laughs> so it was that they had a good day of looking at one another's troubles, looking in the bag, seeing how big the bag was, how weighty it was. 
And having started the day imagining with great excitement that by the end of it they'd be rid of their troubles, surprise, surprise, in the end they all agreed that they'd be better taking their own bag home with them <laughs> because at least they knew their own troubles and they weren't at all sure about anybody else's. Uh, we're not living in a small village in Eastern Europe, yet I think being part of a church community allows us to examine each other's bags of sorrows and indeed joys. We get to know one another's lives a bit here and it's in the sharing of the realities of our own particular version of the human story that we strengthen that web of connectivity and that web of connectivity is our community. However shy or reserved or private we may sometimes feel, we are social creatures and our very existence here as a species on the earth is because of our ability to collaborate and to cooperate with one another. And however aware we are of our own much prized individuality, yet we know, don't we, that, that we can't do this thing called life entirely on our own. We are reliant on one another to make our lives work. And it is in community, I think, that we do the work of learning how best to relate one with another. And it is a lifetime's work, this, this relationship building, this community building, particularly perhaps in these postmodern times in which we live. I mean, most of the time, I am really grateful to be living in such a fluid and changing world. I don't know about you, it really would not have suited me to have lived in a a village and be part of one family, one tribe, all my life. I don't know, would it you? Maybe, maybe not. But the statistic that I, I think it's 47% of people in this part of London live alone. And of course that figure um, could be the subject of an essay or at least an interesting conversation over a cup of tea. But what it does tell us is that a lot of people in a modern city are having to come out of their homes in order to find community, in order to find and connect with others. And as you well know, that takes effort and intention to organise. If we generally find ourselves eating alone, then it's going to need someone to reach out to say, well, sh shall we together, or shall we meet for coffee, or shall we go to the cinema, or the art gallery, or the park, or send a card, or make a phone call? or any of the other ways we reach out, maybe tentatively, to touch another human being. And a church community like ours is just one of the possible social choices we might make. This is a place to get together with others. Everything we do here, everything could be described as community building. We're strengthening the web that connects us and it takes effort. I wonder if you've noticed the church garden this week. Maybe not, because you were running in and in from out of the rain. It's looking so well cared for, and that's because a little team of people are making an effort. When I first arrived here 11 years ago now, and I'm looking around and wondering how many people were here in that era, but I remember looking at the front garden with a sinking heart, and it had this rather sweet notice that said um, euphemistically that this was a wildlife garden and would people, <laughs> would people please respect it but in fact it was the remains of a building site and it took an awful lot of effort to get that front garden looking anything like it is today and of course 
creating and maintaining a garden is not a once-and-for-all effort, much as though somebody like me would like it to be. You just have to keep doing it, strangely, again and again and again. It's less of an A to B sort of a progress than a spiral. You keep coming round to, oh, lo and behold, it's June and everything's getting out of hand now, etc., etc. The same can be said for community building. It requires ongoing work and attention. Within our national movement, I chair our interview panel for potential ministry students. And one of the questions we often ask a candidate is in what ways they have been disappointed by our Unitarian movement. Because people often feel a call to ministry in the quite early stages of their involvement with a Unitarian community, and they're still in love. But do you know, it's only when we've been annoyed disappointed, infuriated even, that we can start to create mature relationships, be that with an individual or a church community like ours. And only when we can then move beyond our own satisfaction or dissatisfaction can we start to go deeper. Because a relationship or a community that focuses only on itself will be limited in its potential. We need to turn outwards. We need to consider ourselves in relation to the wider world. Je Jewish theologian Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel writes that the root of religion begins with a consciousness that something is asked of us. Religion then becomes less about our beliefs and more about our actions. It becomes an inquiry into our particular part in the web of connectedness and it asks us to examine our responsibility, our ability to respond. We cannot, I think, solve the painful realities of our world, but we can do our bit to make this world a little more loving, a little more beautiful, a little more connected, and we can achieve more together than we'll ever achieve alone. Here at Essex Church today, we'll hold our AGM, the annual general meeting required by charity law. And as we consider the work of the last year and we pay attention to our assets, both financial and human, let's ask ourselves, how best can we use what we have for the greater good of all? How best can we all minister to this complex world in which we live? Each year in this service, we celebrate our Kensington Unitarians, members and friends, and we speak together a simple statement of commitment, which you will find uh, on this hymn sheet today. And whatever your status in relation to this community, feel free to say these words if they resonate with, with you. Um, and I invite you, if you want to stand or if you prefer to sit, and if you have these words in front of you, let's speak together this statement. It is with pleasure and love that we commit ourselves to this shared ministry. With caring and open hearts, we pledge to join in making our community an inclusive and welcoming place for all people of goodwill. We shall continue to uphold our liberal religious tradition and to encourage the many spiritual seekers who meet in our church building. We trust the power of honest communication, creativity and kindness 
to heal and hold us always. Thank you. Amen. Our time in this place may end, yet our connection to each other and to this community remains. Together, may we walk the path of justice, may we speak words of love, and may we live the selfless deed, treading gently upon the earth and filling the world with compassion. Until we meet again. Amen. Go well and blessed be.